Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1317. Never give up, never surrender. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest calling in from Phoenix, Arizona, J.D. Weiselick. J.D., are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I am ready for an awesome ride. All right, here we go. J.D. Weiselick is the founder of AZ College Planning, a college consulting firm that helps students get admitted to schools and get high-dollar scholarships. J.D. is also an automotive entrepreneur, a business owner, philanthropist, inventor, husband, father, and a race car driver. Wear a lot of hats. After competing in several amateur endurance road races, he noticed that there was a need for better safety products, and he couldn't find anything on the market that met his wishes. So he invented one. He came up with what's called the fire sack, a simple idea where a wearable bag drapes over your head and shoulders with a large kangaroo-style pocket that holds a fire extinguisher. It provides quick access to fire suppression and reduces fatigue while cutting down the time it takes for a safety worker to engage the extinguisher. This is a very cool thing because I used to race vintage cars, and I remember uh, seeing many times uh, safety workers kind of stumble and try to grab fire extinguishers, and it just cut those few little seconds off them getting there when uh, getting there really quick when there's a fire is very important. So, J.D., I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Take a brief moment and share a little more about your career and a very obvious passion that you have for automobiles. Yeah, it's uh, been kind of an interesting path. Um, about uh, four or five years ago, I uh, purchased a 1984 BMW uh, 3 Series and I built it to, to race and did a few amateur racing did a few amateur races with uh, Lucky Dog Racing Series uh, and Champ Car, and noticed that uh, there really wasn't any any safety for the firemen and those that were using the fire extinguishers. And uh, did a bunch of research, and this idea kind of popped in my head, and we kind of ran with it. You know, I think it's it's really cool in its simplicity. And lots of times, great ideas are very simple ideas, but they fill a need out there. And as I mentioned, when I was racing cars, I saw many times, you know, they'd have to run over, grab a extinguisher, trip, fall, drop them, whatever. They're heavy sometimes. Uh, people maybe uh, aren't as adept at using them. Um, but when it's right there on you and they can just walk up and use it and they're not having to hold anything except they can use their hands for other things, I think it's a fantastic idea. And we're going to learn a lot more about that. But first, as we continue on your journey, I always like to start with a success quote. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars Yeah. So, J.D., take the wheel. Yeah, so our success quote is from the 1999 comedy Galaxy Quest with Tim Allen. And Tim Allen plays a uh, captain of a spaceship. It's kind of a comedy spoof. It's a wonderful movie. And his tagline in the movie is, never give up, never surrender. And that's <laughs> that's kind of the mantra that uh, we've taken in our family whenever we're faced with any type of adversity or challenge, is to never give up, never surrender, and continue to move forward. Sounds like a little bit of a takeoff of Winston Churchill's famous quote, never, ever, ever, never, ever, never, ever. He just, I don't know how many times he said it, right, but right. you don't give up. But 
What's interesting about that and the fact that you enjoy racing is that I've had hundreds of race car drivers on the show, and every single one of them, that seems to be their mantra, their success quote. Of course, with racing, that's the way it is. And uh, having just come off watching the Indy 500, uh, boy, you can see that how close that race came to the end this year. Uh, and the fact that uh, those two drivers just kept coming back, coming back, coming back. And of course, there's only one winner at the end, but you had to kind of feel a little bit for Alexander Rossi because he came so close. And plus, he's been a guest here on the cars. Yeah. So I, I was kind of rooting for him. But uh, yeah, that's a good one. Well, I like that concept. Uh, yeah. Never, ever give up because you never know uh, when you might uh, have that one extra little chance, but it worked well for racing. Well, let's go back in time and talk about a story that instigated your personal passion for cars. Is there a Pivotal moment in your life, and you knew that you were indeed a car guy? Yeah, it was probably when I was in third grade. My dad uh, picked me up from school in a slightly used, uh, pale yellow 1967 Mustang Coupe. And, and, and when he drove up, I'm looking at this car going, wow, this car is really cool. And then I look in, in, into the interior of the car, and hey, that's my dad driving that car. <laughs> What's so, he doing in there? <laughs> yeah, because he was driving a, a, I don't remember, a pickup truck or something prior to that. Yeah, that was just, he picked me up and, and uh, drove me around, and it was a, uh, a 289 coupe. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, over the uh, next four or five years, he and uh, a couple of mechanics um, rebuilt that car into just an amazing beast. Yeah, they're fun. Mustangs are just they're so iconic. I had a uh, 66 Fastback, and uh, it was just a really fun car. It had been built by the guy I bought it from to replicate a uh, GT350 Shelby. Oh, nice. And it was just the funnest car, and I drove it to work every day. Getting gas was always a fun adventure because everyone came over and wanted to talk about their experience in a Mustang. Uh, they built so many of those, and I uh, really love the way the new Mustangs look now as a tribute oh, back yeah. to the old cars. I mean, I think they've done a Marvelous job with that. So uh, great fun to drive. Well, let's take a look at some of the many roads you've driven down and talk about a big challenge or a big failure you may have faced. And uh, of course, the greatest thing about this is the lesson that it teaches you. So tell us how that experience helped you gain even more momentum as you move forward in your business, in your career, in your life. That's a that's a heavy question there. I know. It always <laughs> is. But you know what? I, I like this question, and my listeners do, because I get the most emails from listeners about this question when people kind of dive deep into a difficult time in their lives or their business, whatever it might be, because lots of us, in fact, everybody's going through something at some point in time, and they think they're the only ones, but when they realize someone else has been through something similar and they came out fine on the other end, or they learned a really good lesson that they could carry forward, or more importantly, like here at Cars, yeah, share with others, so... uh Dive deep, my friend. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll continue on with uh, with my mantra: never give up, never surrender. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite books is The Alchemist by Paolo, and I can't pronounce his last name. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I Paolo. can't either. I know the book though. <laughs> A fantastic book. That funny story is that book was one of the pivotal reasons why we named our race team the Alchemy Racers. Anyway, the storyline of the book is the character has this dream of finding treasure. And he moves uh, through his journey. He's faced with uh, different crossroads and different challenges. And each time he's faced with a challenge, the uh, mantra comes up to never give up. And he's like, oh, should I give up and, and go back home and give up on this dream of finding this treasure? 
and he just continues to push forward and and he finds his treasure, uh, but not where you think it will be. So uh, when I started my uh, college consulting business back in 2007, it was fantastic. It was almost as if people were throwing money at me. And then the Great Recession hit and the housing market crashed and all that stuff. And and then all of a sudden, oh no, I have to actually work and spent uh, literally tens of thousands of dollars on failed advertising. Yet I hustled and continued to bring in clients each and every year. And that allowed me to pursue my hobby of racing. People now tell me, oh, you're, you're so lucky that you started a business and you're so lucky that you are successful and were able to you know, do racing and take these wonderful vacations and all this stuff. And my reply is, well, I don't actually say it to them, but my reply in my head is, yeah, I was lucky that I started a, a business right at the, at the beginning of the recession Yes, and really had to you know, hustle and work hard to uh, get it done. And that... Uh, mantra continues, never give up, never surrender. When I came up with the idea of the fire sack, mm-hmm. I was uh, looking around and I have no experience with sewing or any of that stuff. Thankfully, my wife can uh, hem a pair of pants. And there you uh, go. <laughs> she was able to uh, build our first, first prototype out of some uh, canvas and that. And uh, it was so successful at, at our race. Every one of my team members really loved it. And we came up with some ideas on how to modify it. And from there, I started doing some research on finding a professional who could actually make one and called on uh, several different uh, seamstress and tailors in the local Phoenix area. And uh, all of them were like really excited to work on the project. And then none of them called me back, which I thought was kind of odd. And then I ended up finding uh, Josh and he uh, as a fantastic seam, uh, seamstress tailor and uh, made the first real prototype out of uh, flame retardant material. So we're really excited to test that out at, uh, at our next race coming up in uh, July 2019. Very cool. Well, you know, I have a lot of guests who went through that time period, 07, 08, 09, and just struggled. Some lost businesses. Many of them had to lay off a lot of people, and it was just such a difficult time. But I always say that if you start a business during a recession and you make it, you'll know you'll always make it. And especially that recession as far as current time frames and how difficult times were financially and how everybody was pulling back and everything. So uh, fantastic story. Just don't give up. Just keep working on it, keep moving forward. And I was going to ask you if your fire sack is made of flame retardant material. I'm so happy to say of course, you figured that part out, but uh, sometimes the most obvious seems uh, like something that could be overlooked. Well, let's have a little bit of fun and talk about your first really special vehicle, that first vehicle that you got that had great meaning for you, and share a memory you have about that ride. I, I can't come up with one car. I have three. <laughs> That's okay. And I guess the first one would be, um, I was in high school in the 80s and had a uh, 1977 Honda Civic CVCC. And my good friend Brian taught me how to drive it. And the reason why he taught me how to drive it is it was a manual. Mm. And prior prior to that, I was just driving automatics and, and stuff. And uh, my driving instructor who taught me how to drive it initially was not exactly the the best uh, instructor on how to drive a manual. And, and Brian really taught me how to do that with using the parking brake when you're on a hill and now, now they've got cars that have anti-rollback and stuff, which is crazy. Yeah, one of my cars has that, which is pretty cool. Um, 
it's a nice feature. I sometimes forget that I have it, but uh, it is a really nice feature so that you don't roll back into somebody, especially right. if it's uh, real rainy or slippery or whatever that might be. And then in, in college, I had a 1984 Mustang, uh, the Fox body, which was, uh, I just love that car. Um, and then I guess my real big one was we got a, a 2003 BMW 530i M Sport. I thought, hey, I finally arrived. And <laughs> nice. uh, the E39, in my opinion, is uh, one of the best, if not the best, five series. I yeah. uh, ended up having the uh, suspension redone at a local shop here in Scottsdale that uh, just did a fabulous job on that. And that would end up being my uh, weekend warrior, taking out, out to the track and all that stuff. And I just love that car. My goal was to keep that car forever. And it actually did its job that uh, my wife was T-boned in it and it saved her life. Oh, my gosh. So, wow. Yeah. You know, I've uh, been a BMW owner for many, many years. I've got an E46 M3 and I've had a bunch of M3s. We've had a couple X5s and even some Mini Coopers in the family here. And getting the Roundell publication, uh, Seth Carlson, of course, is the editor there. He's been a guest on the show. I've known him for decades. And they always have people that send in letters of BMWs that have been in serious crashes and how their families have been saved and so forth, uh, pictures, you know, things like that. So I'm so happy your wife is fine. But those are very, very safe vehicles, uh, and they're really fun to drive, too. So in uh, that era, oh, of course, amazing. is great. Yeah, the design's great. And I love the 5 Series, especially when you get into the uh, the um, M5 cars. They're just rocket ship cars. Oh, my yes. gosh. Yeah, they're incredible. Yeah. So. Very cool. I love it. Well, uh, do you have a seller's remorse story, a car you let go that you wish you hadn't? I, I'd rather not talk about it. <laughs> I understand. Actually, uh, we had a, a 1970 Porsche 914. Oh, and, yeah. Cool. And it was a uh, British racing green. My wife and I had look at, uh, like to look at cars. And um, since we both kind of came from art school, we kind of look at the colors of the car and, and that. And British racing green looks fabulous on every car yeah so when we got married in 89 we had the uh the 70 porsche um and a few years later we started having kids and and at that point i turned to my wife and said you know what we really could fit the car seat between us in the 914 (laughs) yeah right (laughs) well it it just didn't work and we had a one car garage at that time and it just that's the only one that uh that's the fish that got away yeah, those are great cars. Uh, I had a 73 2.0 for a while uh, that I bought from a good friend, Wally. Uh, great fun car. It was kind of a light baby blue color. Uh, really oh, fun. Oh, love that color. Yeah, my son uh, used to come down to the office with me on the weekends. He'd drive it around in the parking lot. We'd work on it together and so forth. And uh, yeah, it was a really fun car. Love those things, especially when you get into the 914 6s, which have just become insanely priced. A bit overpriced, I think, but it's a buyer's mark or seller's mark. I should right. say right now when it comes to old Porsches, fun cars. Well, let's talk a little bit more about Firesack. I'd love for you to walk through kind of the process of developing a new product because uh, Cars yeah, is very entrepreneurial and a lot of people out there have great ideas, but they never get past the great idea concept and how they take it forward, how they get prototypes made, how they bring it to market, um, how they continue to promote it so it becomes some type of a viable product. Now, you have a website where people can go and learn about it. Is that right? That's correct. And the website is firesack.com. That's easy. So walk us through this process of developing. If somebody out there has got this great idea like you have, 
How do they go through the steps? What are the steps to bring this thing to fruition so that it can be successful? Well, the first thing that anyone has to do with any type of idea is protect themselves. I've got kind of a side funny story is a friend of mine and I came up with an idea on a a t-shirt design. It was uh, probably in the in the early '90s when the Batman movies um, with uh, Michael Keaton was very popular, and the the basic design was uh, kind of similar to the uh, Grateful Dead skull uh, logo. Yep. Instead of the lightning bolt in the center, it had a Batman symbol in the center. We printed uh, hundreds and hundreds of those shirts, and they were selling like hotcakes. And because we were unable to protect ourselves with that design. We ended up getting a, a cease and desist letter from the Grateful Dead. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and who knew that the Grateful Dead actually had a bank of lawyers? Oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, so that, it's important. So that's, that's, the, that's the first thing is, is you've got to protect yourself by um, filing for a patent or a copyright or something like that. And with the uh, patent, you can apply for a, um, a preliminary patent. Uh, it's called uh, patent pending. And it's pretty inexpensive to do that. And by filing the patent pending, you lock up that design for a year. And the interesting thing about that is that once that year comes up, you can refile the patent pending for an additional year by changing something in the design. So if you've ever seen a product that was patent pending for five, 10, or more years, that's because they've been changing the, the design slightly every year to hold that patent pending. And the reason why companies do that is because it's it's really inexpensive, hundred or a couple hundred bucks or so to file the patent pending versus filing an actual patent, which could be tens of thousands of dollars. So that's a, that's the first thing is you've got to protect yourself. And then the second thing is to develop your idea and rework your idea and test it out. I mean, with, without testing, you can't uh, come up with a, the best design. So our original design with the uh, fire sack. It had a uh, shoulder strap, or actually a neck strap that that uh, kind of fit over your neck like an apron, and it wasn't adjustable. And that was the one thing that it, that every one of my teammates said is that needs to be adjustable. So our next prototype came up with an adjustable neck strap that actually fits over your neck and shoulder to kind of distribute the weight. So that's that's kind of the essence of it. And and mm-hmm. then creating a a website is also important. You can go to any type of uh, uh, URL company, the one we use here in, or the one that I've been using is uh, GoDaddy. Mm-hmm. And you just go to that website and type in the name of whatever you want it to be and kind of play around with it. And and with that, I wanted a, a small, short, easy to remember name. And I came up with, uh, well, firebagextinguisherholder.com or something like <laughs> yeah, that. Like, that's sure. way too long. Too many words, yeah. And then there were some that um, uh, I wanted to do fire bag, uh, but uh, that one, the URL for that one was $4,000. And like, Ew, uh, yeah, yeah. No. And then uh, checking out the, the, the uh, thesaurus with uh, bag. Okay, what's besides bag sack? And, mm-hmm. and uh, that's how we ended up coming, with, coming up with the name fire sack. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, all this is really great information. And of course, also, find yourself a good attorney that's a patent attorney or attorney yes, that specializes absolutely. in this because uh, I guarantee you, if you have a great idea, somebody out there is going to steal it from you and uh, copy it or do something like that. And uh, you need to be able to protect yourself um, 
But all great advice, and it's a really cool, cool product. I mean, it's so simple in its whole concept and thought process. But like I said at the very beginning of our talk, sometimes the most simple ideas are the best ideas. So this is very, very cool. And is this something that you see going forward? I mean, as far as what you're se- how you're selling this, are you marketing it in a special way to specific groups? Or, uh, you know, that's the big thing. A lot of people have great ideas. They come up with the, the solution, they create the thing, and then they don't know how to promote it or how to market it. Uh, how did you learn about that? Well, that's something that, that we're um, continuing to work on right now as we uh, modify that prototype so that it does exactly what we want it to do and uh, fits all of the, and just, just fits what, what we want it to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So with that, I've just been uh, contacting various different people. I have reached out to some of the uh, major racing entities like NASCAR, IMSA, Formula One, and uh, just been trying to go back and forth with that. We're still, we're still in the process with that, but I anticipate that that will happen sometime in the next six months to a year that uh, this will be a product that will be on the market. My ultimate goal and dream is that uh, NASCAR or Formula One or one of those entities makes it mandatory. Kind of, kind of like how they how they made the um, neck brace mandatory a few years back. Oh, the Hans device, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, and that just just kind of took off. And then, of course, you know, we've got uh, several different competitors with Hans and stuff. I love it. What a great story. Really, really neat idea. Everything about it is fantastic. Well, J.D., up next is the last lap. Before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah! sponsors. Everyone who knows me knows I'm really picky when it comes to my cars and keeping them looking new. I'm a huge fan of Covercraft floor mats. I've protected my vehicle with their products for decades. Want to keep your vehicle's interior looking new? It's easy with Covercraft floor mats. They will protect your vehicle's factory carpets from daily abuse, weather, pets, children, weekend adventures, and those everyday spills. It's a fast, easy, and stylish way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft floor mats come in a wide variety of styles, materials, and configurations, all designed for maximum protection. In addition to Premier Plush and Berber Custom Floor Mats, you'll also find cargo liners, canine cargo area liners, dash covers, and sunscreens. Enhance your vehicle's looks while protecting the factory finishes with easy-to-install and easy-to-clean floor mats. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them market Cars Yeah sent you. That's Covercraft.com. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at carsyeah.com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah website at carsyeah.com. Hey, Mark Green here from Cars Yeah. Did you know you can now see me on the Cars Yeah TV show? It's a weekly visit to some of my past Cars Yeah podcast guests, and I take you along for the ride. You go behind the garage door and into their lives, their businesses, and you get to see what makes them successful. With tens of millions of viewers, Cars Yeah TV is making its mark. Cars Yeah TV is available on Mav TV and Lucas Oil Racing TV. You'll find Mav TV on Direct TV, Fubo TV. 
Fios by Verizon, or you can stream it through Lucas Oil Racing Television online. And they said I only had a face for podcasting. All right, J.D., we are back, and I have a very introspective question for you. If you were a car, if you woke up tomorrow and you were manifested into a car, what would you be and why? Well, my favorite color is fast. So It's fast, okay. <laughs> I'm trying to so, envision that. looks red to me. <laughs> yeah. So if I was a car, it would definitely be fast. What kind of car, though? We got to dig a little deeper here. Is it going to be a race car? Would it be a formula car? Would it be a NASCAR? I mean, Sports racing GT. I'm I'm kind of a low key under the radar type of a person, so it'd be more of a sleeper type of a car. Ah, okay, okay, something stock but has a big motor under the hood. Yes, I like it. Well, we are entering the last lap, and I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. Well, what's the best automotive advice you've ever received? The best automotive advice that I've received is look through the corner. Yeah. Uh, look to where you want to go, uh, whether you're on a on a car or a bike. When my wife and I were first married, we were living in uh, San Jose, California, just a few miles from Santa Cruz, and we used to ride up in the in the hills up there. Um, I had a, a 1991 Honda CBR uh, F2 Supersport, which is an amazing amazing motorcycle. Uh, we would go literally every weekend ride up there, and it was just wonderful. And what I learned is to look through the corner. There were, if you've ever been to that area, there are some just magnificent redwood trees that are 100, yeah. 200 feet tall. Yeah. And if you're going around a corner and that tree catches your eye and, and you're staring at that tree. You'll run you, right into it. You'll, you will be <laughs> the tree, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that is, that's the thing is you, is you got to look through the corner. And, and that kind of goes back to my mantra with never give up, never surrender. As you're looking through the corner, you want to look to where you want to go, whether that be in a car, on a motorcycle, or just in life. Just look to where you want to go, and eventually you will hit that spot. Exactly. Yeah, you remind me of uh, racing school where the guy's always yelling in your ear, head up, head up, look up, look up, look out, look way out to where you want to go, not where you are, and uh, not where you're, uh, where the guy in front of you, but where do you want to, where do you want to go, where do you want to pass him? Do you share one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your many successes? One of the things that I do is control the dialogue in your mind, control your mm. inner dialogue. Henry Ford said that if you think you can do it or you think you can't do it, you're both correct. You're right. Yeah. So exactly. you've got to control the, the dialogue in your mind. Tell yourself, yes, I can do it. Yes, I can succeed. Uh, then put it into action and never give up, never surrender. There you go. How about a resource? Is there one out there that you think our listeners would enjoy? Well, of course, I'm going to have to promote firesack.com. Yep. Check it out. There's some uh, pictures of the, the prototype on there, and um, there's contact information as well. Absolutely. You know, let's give a shout out, too, to your career. I know it doesn't relate to automobiles, but I'd love for you real quickly here. Explain what it is you do as your daytime job. We'll call it that, um, because I love the entrepreneurial side of branching out into your passion. But uh, tell us a little bit about your business, because I think that could be a good resource for anybody out there with uh, young ones looking towards college, right? Absolutely. The, my website is azcollegeplanning.com. And what we do is we help students properly market themselves to colleges. What we need to understand with 
colleges is the ranking system means everything to the college. So if you've seen any of those publications, U.S. News and World Report Best Colleges or Forbes Best Colleges, what colleges have figured out is if there's an upward trend in the rankings, that attracts more attention. And with more attention comes more application fees. So last year, University of California, Berkeley, which is rated the number one public national university, had 101,000 students apply to their college at $70 a pop. Oh my gosh. Yeah, there's some coin there. (laughs) Yeah, $7.2 million that was generated just in application fees. So what colleges want is they want students that will increase their rankings in one or more category. And when you properly market yourself to the college, showing the college, yes, I will increase your ranking in this or that category, then they will try and recruit you and they will offer you some big scholarship dollars. Ah, very, very interesting. So you help people understand that. Wow. Now there's a very valuable resource. Where were you when my kids were going to college? Oh my (laughs) gosh. if If you know the rules of the game, if you know the rules of the game for getting admitted into college and getting scholarships, then it's easier to win. Yeah. Very cool. Well, azcollegeplanning.com. If you've got kids that are going to be going to college, grandkids, uh, check it out. I think this would be a great resource. Now, if I could arrange for you to sit down and have a drink or a meal with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would it be? Hands down, Kevin Schwantz. He's been a, a hero of mine since the early 90s. My wife and I were lucky enough to see him ride at uh, Laguna Seca the year that he claimed his championship. Uh, 1991, that's when I really kind of became impressed with uh, Kevin Schwantz. We'd seen him uh, several times at different races. And in this one particular race in 1991, he wore a a camouflage helmet to honor the military. And I think that was pretty cool. That kind of coincides with the, the actual day that we're recording this. Uh, which is Memorial Day. So Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Kevin Schwantz, American former professional motorcycle rider, racer, I mean, the world champion holder, incredible rider. Uh, just yeah, fabulous. Every, yeah, every time I watch MotoGP of those guys racing, I mean, it just, it like almost disturbs me because I don't know how they do what they do. They're going so fast. And this tiny little patch of tire, it's incredible. Yeah, it definitely takes uh, nerves of steel and, and, yeah, and something else. And, yeah, and definitely I mean, looking through the corner. Oh, big time through the corner. Yeah, I mean, and then you go to places like Isle of Man, the the TT. I don't know how those guys do that race. I, I mean, I just it blows me away, scares me to watch the videos, but it's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, but nerves of steel, very incredible talent, talented people, uh, writers. Nice choice. I think it's the first time he's been mentioned, which I'm kind of surprised. I think that's great. How about a book? Is there a book you'd like to share with our listeners? Yes. One of the books that uh, was uh, very pivotal in my success is Earl Nightingale's The Strangest Secret. You can find it on YouTube, on a PDF, on the internet. It's just a, just a fantastic book. If you really understand the principles that uh, Mr. Nightingale is talking about and implement those things, then you will be successful. And another book that coincides with that is James Allen's As a Man Thinketh. Both of those books are game changers for those who read it, understand it, and implement the ideas that are presented. And what they talk about is success is for anyone who chooses it, which again goes back to our mantra of never give up, never surrender. Exactly. Yeah. And that quote from Henry Ford, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Exactly. Perfect. Love it. 
Well, you can write, find all these resources on JD's show notes page. Just go to carsyad.com, type in JD Wyzelik. I will spell his last name for you. It's a little bit of a tongue twister. W-Y-C-Z. There's a motorcycle reference. A-L-E-Hey. Wyzelik. There you go. All right, JD, we are up to the checkered flag, and this last question can be a bit of a doozy. Today, I'm going to buy you a very cool collector car or a motorcycle if you'd like it to be that. Whatever you want is going to get parked in your garage, but there's some rules to this little game. You can't sell it to buy a bunch of other toys with. You have to drive it or ride it. No garage queens allowed. And here's the kicker. It's the only cool collector car you can have in your garage. So you have to choose very wisely. So what can I buy you today? Well, I'm definitely keeping my uh, 84 BMW 318 because I just love that car. But if money was no object and and any car on the planet, it would oh, definitely... Yeah. It would definitely be the Shelby uh, Lone Star One. Oh, okay. And why that car? Well, I was at uh, um, Cars and Coffee here in Scottsdale. Uh, every month they have an event and people bring out their cars to show and all that. And this gentleman who actually owns the Lone Star One, he lives somewhere here in, in Scottsdale. He drove the car out there. And, and when you look at it, you're like, wow, what is that? It's yeah. just definitely, if you've never seen it, definitely Google that Lone Star One. Uh, it's just an amazing, amazing machine. And the history of it is that um, Carol Shelby made a prototype in, I believe it was 1966 or 67, of this Lone Star One. And that was the same year that uh, Ford decided to pull out of racing. Mm-hmm. So it, that car never went into production. So there's only one of them. So I was really fascinated by the history. I did a little bit of history after talking to, this, to the guy who owns it. And uh, thought, wow, this is an amazing car, and and found out how much it was worth. And it was worth over $20 million. And I'm thinking, dude, you're driving a $20 million car on the road. That's just nuts. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> so, yeah, all, I, would, yeah. I would definitely, definitely drive that car all over the place. You know, I had a guest on the show here, Michael Satterfield, who has a website, The Gentleman Racer. And he actually uh, wrote a very cool, I'll put a link on your show notes page for people to find it about this car. But you talk about price. Uh, This car was for sale in Auto Week magazine back in 1967 for $15,000. Which was a lot of money back then. A huge amount of money, but that would have been a nice investment considering what what it's worth today. But yeah, for those of you who don't know what the car we're talking about, go check it out. And it's a difficult, I'm trying to figure out, how would you, I mean, if you were to describe this car compared to other cars, how would you describe it? I would kind of say that it looks similar to a late 60s uh, Lamborghini, but a little bit more on the rounded side. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. It also kind of reminds me of like a Lola T270, a coupe, you know, race car. I mean, it's got yes. that kind of look to it. It's got a little bit of a Ferrari Dino-esque top with the way the back wraps back around, but it's really stretched out and rounded. So very, very unique, cool car. You're the first guy to pick that car, uh, which is pretty cool. So uh, I'll see what I can do. You're no cheap date, though, JD. Holy <laughs> yeah. cow. This is going to cost me a fortune. So, oh, my goodness. Well, um you have taken us on a really nice ride, especially in that Lone Star. That would be very cool. Love to sit next to you as you drive that to a Cars and Coffee there in Scottsdale. I really enjoyed your stories. I want to thank you for sharing your journey. Could you offer us a little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that Shelby Lone Star 1? So we're going to put it into first gear. Okay. And, and in first gear, we're going to dream the big life. 
Mm-hmm. And then in second gear, we're going to never give up. In third gear, never surrender. And fourth gear, we're going to allow ourselves to succeed. There you go. So those those are my uh, suggestions. Nicely said. I love that. And what's the best way, again, for listeners to learn more about you, your company, and Firesack? Definitely check out the website, firesack.com. Also on the website is uh, my email address, info at firesack.com. And then you can also follow our shenanigans on various different social media with the hashtag Alchemy Racers. Alchemy Racers. Very cool. I'll make sure I put links to those on JD's show notes page so you can follow along with what he's doing. Certainly been an inspiration uh, to you and to me, you the listeners, and to me this morning, JD. I think it's great. And again, we're up uh, the morning uh, recording this on Memorial Day. So a thought out there to all those who gave the ultimate sacrifice this country and their families on Memorial Day. JD, thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your experiences with our listeners. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you. You're welcome. And hopefully I won't be on fire when I see you. But if I am, I know you'll be able to get to me really quickly. I'll have that fire extinguisher ready in my fire sack. There you go. You take care of your cars, but who takes care of your investments? Tune-ups aren't just for engines. Updating your financial plan is important, too. Your GPS may take you from A to B, but it won't help you on the road to financial freedom. For that, you need a good co-pilot and a very trusted advisor. Chris Kimball, CFP, is just the man for the job. He'll guide you down that road without driving you crazy. For over 25 years, Chris has helped people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. With a master's degree in financial services, he is eminently qualified, and he's a car guy too. Learn more at chrisvkimble.com or call 866-ON-A-PLAN. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member FINRA SIPC. CK Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.